Hey gang, welcome back to Out of Bounds. This is the XFL show on the Backdoor Cover Network. I'm Phil, as always, I'm joined by my main man, Kyle. Kyle, what's happening? Well, I'm just uh, trying to figure out really where the hell I went right last week. Uh, it was not a good week for me in the XFL. Uh, I've been having a little bit of trouble uh, really getting a handle on this league. Uh, it, it seems to me like it's just a crapshoot. I, I can't get a real feel. So it seems like uh, whatever picks we make this week in the final week of the regular season here, uh, just fade me. Just just bet the opposite. And you should probably make some pretty good money here. Yeah, you didn't have a good week. Um, I went two and two on the show. Uh, personally, though, I, you know, I, I didn't make my my plays until Friday night, um, you know, for Saturday and then Saturday night for Sunday. And um, actually caught better lines than we're, we're, what we're on the show. Um, so if you waited, you know, you got to push with us on the Vipers because uh, that thing moved to seven. If you waited on Arlington, that thing moved to two and a half. So you actually got to win instead of a, a loss, which is what the, the show took. Um, but, man, it was a, a pretty good week in, in football uh, for the XFL. Also, the USFL started. Uh, but we had four pretty good games. There were a lot of playoff implications. So let's just run it down. Let's just the, the week in review, Kyle. The first game was the Vipers and the Roughnecks. And the Roughnecks won that one 28 to 21. Uh, the Vipers were in control for, for most of that game. They were up 12 to 6 at halftime. And then the wheels fell off in the second half. Um, but we did see Jalen McClendon, the, the quarterback for the Vipers, sort of you know put his stamp on this team, it looks like they've got their guy for next year. He was 27 to 37 for 249, two touchdowns. He looked pretty good. Um, but this Houston team found a way to win. Did you watch the game and what did you notice? Yeah, I did. Um, the, you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing, especially on the Viper side that stuck out was, was definitely McClendon. Uh, he looked very comfortable, uh, throwing the football, um, Ended up 27 or 37, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He looked good. Uh, and another thing that that he did really well is he was able to scramble and get out of the pocket as well. Uh, five carries, 41 yards um, for an average of 8.2. I mean, anytime you can scramble like that, it's huge. Um, their biggest issue this year is they didn't have a real steady running back. Um, and that is something that they definitely want to correct going into next year. Um, another thing I noticed is, uh, you know, Geronimo Allison, six catches, 60 yards um, on seven targets. This is a guy that I, I wanted to see more out of, um, you know, and that's not even getting to Martavis Bryant, two receptions, eight yards with a long of seven. Yeah. But, and, and also a little, a little check mark against Martavis Bryant. Did you see on the one catch? He just got it ripped away from him and it was returned for a touchdown. It just, he got big brother and, you know, the Roughnecks took it to the house. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a little weird watching where Martavis is because this was a guy who was a number two on Pittsburgh at one point. Um, he was on your fantasy team at one point. He was on my fantasy team at one point. I mean, I was, I was begging people to draft this guy. So, it, it's it's a 
you know, it's a very steep cliff that he fell off of really quick. So I know we talked about this team, uh, you know, with, you know, NFL pedigree, wide receivers, things like that. Martavis Bryant has been an absolute bust in this league. I think Geronimo Allison has actually some, some real good kind of uh, footing in this league. I think if they continue to work him and they get somebody else on the other side of him, that's really, really good. I think that, uh, you know, with, with McClendon, kind of, you know, stealing that, taking over that job and, and being really good. I think this offense might be something to watch out for next year. Uh, again, they need to, uh, you know, address the running back situation as well. I think what they need to address before they they even think about the running back position is their offensive line. My goodness, McClendon was under under heat the entire second half. He he didn't have a second to breathe back there. That, that roughnecks defensive line was was getting home yeah and you know with that being said Houston's defense has been one of the best ones in the league all year so you know I think and and Vegas didn't really have much to be playing for this week you know it was it was more of a pride game which I think you know you want a little bit more out of that but I think that this is going to be you know, if they kind of run this off season like the USFL did, you know, there'll be another draft. So if they're going to do that, I do expect them to um, really attack the offensive line because you're right. The offensive line hasn't been good all year. So now you have a quarterback, you need to keep him upright. Um, but I mean, you want to flip the, flip the sides over to the roughnecks. I mean, listen, it was, Talk about a game where you take care of business, but it doesn't look pretty. Um, thank God for the defense showing up in the second half and getting all that pressure because they could have easily lost this game. Um, you know, yep. Brandon Silvers did not look good. Ineffective. 16 to 27 with, with two picks and 105 yeah. yards. Not great. Yeah. I mean, luckily they've got, uh, you know, some – some really good, you know, rushers on the ground, and that 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 really really helped them. Uh, Max Borgie, ten for seventy four with a touchdown. Uh, Bryson Eliane, I don't know if that's how you say it, but it, it that's how I say it. Sounds French. Well, a little Frenchish, um, but he was twelve forty two for a touchdown as well. Uh, I mean, they they ran the ball pretty well, and and realistically, they they did what they had to do in order to. Uh, get that playoff spot on the other side. Uh, they have officially won the division. They will, are officially in the playoffs. Now, this last week means nothing to them. So, you know, talk about taking care of business. But, you know, if I'm Houston, I'm uh, I'm worried a little bit. You know, I'm, uh, I, I'd am i be kind of standing there, uh, you know, wondering, do I have enough to get – to get through, you know, to the championship, to, to get through this next game, because I think what we're going to see here is, uh, you know, two pretty good teams coming in against these defenders and these and these roughnecks. So, you know, I think that's two a really big piece for them. They they really need to figure it out this week. Um, if I'm Houston, if 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 this is my franchise, I don't believe that I'm sitting starters. No, I absolutely think that there's not. There's too much that they need to figure out in this game. Even if you play them for a half and kind of just keep the motors running in the mind, I think that that's very, very important for this team. Yeah, I, um, I, I agree, Kyle. You gotta, you gotta keep the momentum going. This is a rough next team. Um, you know that that hasn't been playing great. Uh, they've been very fortunate that they're in that 
that less talented division. Um, you know, and you've got a quarterback that can't be feeling too good about himself after last week. You got to get him out there and get some momentum. Um, so I, I think moving forward, you're right. This Roughnecks team has got to be playing to win next weekend, not just play to survive uh, to make it to that that home game. So um, next up on Saturday, we saw the San Antonio Brahmas and Jack Cohn, uh, you know, a big win uh, for them, kept their playoff hopes alive, and they beat the Guardians 25-23. to 23. Uh, Jack Cohn was incredibly effective. He checked down a lot, but he was 25 of 31 for 302 yards, which is a, a new season high. He had one touchdown. They they got Jacques Patrick involved in the rushing game. He had 20 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately, sir, my high praise of Quentin Dormady, it can no longer be a thing. He was 9 of 17, 47 yards, one touchdown, one pick. We saw DeAndre Francois out there, the original Frenchman. He threw a touchdown pass. Uh, but this Orlando team didn't look any good. San Antonio, again, they kept their playoff hopes alive, and and they won twenty five to twenty three. What did you see? Um, I saw pretty much what I was hoping to see out of San Antonio for most of the season, really. Which was they played pretty good defense, which they have all year, and you finally saw some some offense out of them. You know what I mean? You finally got Jack Cohn back. He's finally, you know, you know, throws the ball over 300 yards, 25 of 31, you know, great, great percentage. They finally got a little bit of help in the, in the run game out of uh, another, you know, guy we like to think is French and Jacques Patrick. Um, and listen, Patrick also had five receptions for 50 yards as well. I mean, they really worked that underneath game um, with with Nick Holly kind of over the top with the, you know, four for 105. So I think, listen, this receiving core is devoid of talent. We've, we've talked about that already. They need to figure out what they're doing in that realm. But realistically, this is kind of what I expected to see. You know, pretty good offense. But, you know, realistically, the, the difference in this game, the Guardians, they just couldn't put anything together. They ran the ball well. I mean, Devin Darrington ran the ball really well. 16 for 133 with a touchdown. But realistically, the issue here was Quentin Dormady and the quarterbacks. I mean, they kept them off balance. You know, Brahmas had three sacks on them. Um they really limited the passing. Um, so I think realistically, this is what we wanted to see out of uh, the Brahmas this year. So I think it personally, I think it's going to be a little bit, you know, too little, too late for this team. I think that they're done. Uh, I think Arlington's probably going to take this playoff spot, um, you know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but but I, this, this is what I wanted to see out of the Brahmas all year. Yeah, and it, it stinks, man. You know, I, I I had come to to really start rooting for this Orlando squad. Their last four losses have been by three, seven, two, and two. So I mean, they're in every game. But when your punter is your leading passer, when he was one for one for sixty nine yards, a completion to KD Cannon, that that's not a uh, recipe for success. So uh, unfortunately, you know, we'll need these Guardians. We need them one more week to show up. But they were just came up a bit short against the Brahmas on Saturday. 
Now on Sunday, this was a good day for us. Um, you know, the Renegades lost to the DC Defenders 28 to 26. That was an overtime. Um, but you know, we saw Luis Perez for the Renegades show some life. He was 31 of 41, 335, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, they weren't very effective on the ground. Teamu, you know, on the other side, did just enough to win. He was 14 to 20, 188, two touchdowns, one pick. We did see some De'Eric King. Six and nine for 76 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Um, Abram Smith was very, very limited. You know, we, the, the leading rusher of the league only had 10 carries for 27 yards. Uh, Arlington was never out of this game. This was an excellent, excellent game. It was back and forth. Um, you know, they they led an electric drive at the end to tie it or, you know, to, to get within one score. Then they completed the, uh, the fourth and 15, um, you know, onside kick thing and got the ball back and went down and tied it to force the overtime. Uh, this was a great game, Kyle. Did you watch this one? Uh, I caught this one late. Um, well, so late is all you need. The, yeah. I, I, I got to see the, the late thing. Um, I think it was – the biggest thing about this is, one, I don't think DC was throwing out a lot of the um, – a lot of the things that that – were that that they're planning on for the playoffs, right? Yeah, I think this, this is a team in. that was locked in. They went out there, hey guys, go out there, enjoy yourselves, play. We're much better than this team. Just you know, mistake free football as best we can. <clears throat> they got out of there, didn't have any you know injuries. Everything's is is good here. Um, I think the coolest thing about this game is one, we needed Arlington to lose. Um, and another thing that I thought was really good is. You got to see realistically with these spring football leagues is you got to see the really, really cool fourth down and overtime and fourth and 15, you know, conversion plays that that are so much cooler than what the NFL does. And it's so much more action packed and the games, you know, like we've said, and we've said this before, you're never truly out. You're never truly out of these games. I mean, you know, it looked like this game was about to be completely done, kaput. Arlington was was dead in the water. And then, you know, they're able to have this miraculous fourth quarter last last couple drives. And it's it just goes to show where these spring football fields or, or these spring football teams are are right and and where these these leagues are absolutely right where the NFL I believe is wrong so I think that this is um this is where it is I expect more out of Tayamu uh Luis Perez really impressed me by the way I, th- I thought he played a fantastic game because this defender's defense is good no matter who you got out there so I thought that he played a fantastic game um this was the the lowest game this season I saw from Te'amu. And I hope this was a, I hope this was a game where he kind of just packed it in because if he plays like this, this team might run into some problems, especially whoever they're going to see in the first round, whether they're going to see the battle Hawks or if they're going to see the sea dragons, both of those teams, if Jordan Te'amu plays like this, will give this team trouble. So, because both of those teams can fucking score. Right. So I'm going to tell you right now, you better hope, Mr. Tayamu, that this was a little flash in the pan, little, ah, eh, this is just me going out there and going through the motions. Because if this is 
a indicator of where this team is, where they're not running the ball. I mean, listen, we saw all year what Abram Smith, Raquel Armstead, and Tayami have been able to do on the ground. If this team's getting, you know, and, and maybe this is even a bit of a, a blueprint on how to slow down this offense and keep them, you know, underneath. Maybe it's, hey, let's wrap up that run game and make Tayami beat us through the air. That's what we, ta- we saw last year in the USFL, and he couldn't do it. So maybe this was a blueprint. This was as much as this team was already locked in that we said this was a bit of a concerning game, mm-hmm. especially on the offensive side for DC. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the most worrisome thing for me, um, you know, was, was that they didn't have any rushing attack. Um, you know, the, the league's leading rusher was stymied. He, he averaged less than three yards of carry worthless. Um, so, you know, if you're a DC defenders fan, if you're a, beer snake fan if you are a fan of throwing fruit on the field uh you better hope that this was just a mirage and that they they get it back in the gear here um you know and, and play a little bit better next week and and show you something for the playoffs but talk about showing something the seattle sea dragons beat the shit out of those <laughs> battle hawks they won 30 to 12 my favorite part of this game kyle was that they kicked a field goal Late in the game, a meaningless field goal as time expired, you know, to, to go up 30 to 12. And there, there was a reason for that. But, you know, inside the nuts and bolts of this game, the Danuch looked like the XFL MVP. He was 21 of 31, 260, two touchdowns. He did have a pick, but he also had seven carries for 38 yards and another touchdown. Philip Lindsay, relatively ineffective. He was, you know, he had 10 carries for 17 yards. We thought this was going to be a big pickup. Um, turns out hasn't really shown much. Uh, TJ Hammonds actually toted the rock pretty well. The change of pace back that they've been using this year. He had seven carries for 59 yards. More importantly though, that one, two punch on the outside for this Seattle team was awesome. Jacor Pearson, seven catches, 115 yards. He had a 68 yard house call and Josh Gordon two for 46 as well. Uh, very important. Jim Hazlitt has this defense playing very, very well. They had A.J. McCarron confused all day. He was 18 for 32, one touchdown, two picks. They shut down the run, only allowed 54 yards on the ground. This Seattle team is bad. They have got to get in the playoffs. It would be an absolute sin if they don't. And we'll talk about that that meaningless field goal. But what did you see in this game? What did you see in this game? There you are. Can you hear me? Gotcha. Okay. I uh, I saw a team in the Seattle Sea Dragons that just simply looked better in every aspect than the St. Louis Battlehawks. Um, you know, I Danucci looked fantastic. I think that this could be a game that we look back on where, um, you know, when those votes come down to Danucci and – Tayamu, which most likely that's that's where we're looking here is the two MVP favorites. I think right now this might be kind of one of those games that puts Danucci over the top. I mean, this was huge, not only for Seattle as a team, but it was huge for Danucci's MVP chances. Um, he looked fantastic. And and he has most of this year. He's looked he's looked really good. But um, he took care of the ball a little bit better this week. I thought he he made some yeah. better decisions. There were no fumbles. 
Um, I think his trajectory is just straight up. This guy is looking fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, you, you, you touched on it, you know, the, the two other points, Philip Lindsay, I don't know what's going on. I, that's to me been one of the biggest surprises of this, uh, of this league of this team, because that was a, a thing that we talked about when he came in, you know, could this be the, the Bo Scarborough signing that, that put Birmingham over the top, you know, and it, I mean, the guy looks pedestrian out there. I mean, this was a, a thousand yard rusher in the NFL, you know what I mean? Who looks pedestrian out here. So I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's holes, if, if they're, if they're keying in on some of these run plays, maybe you got to get a little more creative in some of these run plays to kind of get him some space. Um, but that receiving side of this football has been fantastic. Core Pearson and, uh, you know, Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon gets a ton of people, you know, paying attention to him. Sure. You have to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he still gets open. I mean, he had four targets in this game. He caught two of them, uh, 46 yards, but one of them was for 42. So the second one was a short one, but he requires so much attention from the defense that it allows other guys like, like Pearson and like Jawan Green to kind of get open. Um, and a lot of these guys, like out of the slot, I know that the tight end gets open, uh, you know, at a better rate because Josh Gordon, I mean, he's always got two people over there, you know, kind of spying him out. So, listen, this team looked fantastic. Uh, the Battle Hawks, this was very, very concerning because this was, this was it. They needed this game. Um, I mean, if they win this game, they're in the playoffs. So this was really, really concerning for this team. And uh, they did not look good really anywhere. Um, You know, I know you want to, you want to talk about this, this late field goal. So I'm going to let you hit on that. But before we we do that, it, it shows, it shows the attention to detail that the Seattle Sea Dragons coach has, because this is something that ended up being pretty important. And It's uh, it's funny because even the announcers, I, I you know, watching the end of this game, even the announcers came out and were like, well, well it looks like they're going for a field goal. I, I, I don't know why they do that. I mean, and they start even talking in the game, even start talking. Well, what what's the spread? Does this have something to do with the spread? No, it doesn't have anything to do with the spread. Couldn't even figure it out game time why it was important. But this Seattle Sea Dragons coach was on the money. So go ahead and explain how this affects this team. Jim Hazlitt is next level, baby. So how this works is, you know, the top two teams in the North, you know, proceed to the the playoffs. The DC defenders that are locked in at eight and one, the St. Louis battle Hawks are now tied with the Seattle sea dragons at six and three. The way the tiebreakers work is uh, it, it goes down to a equation with the points for versus you know, the other team. So the, the Seattle Sea Dragons points they've scored and then the, the St. Louis Battlehawks points they've scored, you know, go into this equation. So they were also points against, you know, the, the Sea Dragons points against, St. Louis points against goes into this this formula. So the Sea Dragons, by virtue of that that 
time expiring field goal, yeah. we're able to add three more points for them in their bucket and also put three more points against the Battle Hawks in their bucket. So they accomplished, but, you know, they, they basically scored a touchdown there against the, you know, an opponent this season is, is basically what they were able to do. So now, Kyle, you know, both of these teams are still alive for the playoffs. They're not playing each other. They're both playing bottom feeder teams. The, the Battle Hawks are playing the Guardians and the Sea Dragons are playing the Vipers. So you got to think they're both big favorites. You got to think they both are going to win outright. But the Battle Hawks now have to outscore the Sea Dragons by 19 points this weekend to make the playoffs. So the Sea Dragons, their, their equation is simple. The Battle Hawks play first. The Sea Dragons will probably have to win if the Battle Hawks win. And they will only have to score enough points uh, to be one point total ahead in the points for margin. They have a 19 point point cushion. It is next level IQ from Jim Hazlitt and June Jones and all those guys and that coaching staff to get my Seattle Sea Dragons, my beloved Sea Dragons, a, a ticket to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> I mean, you described it perfectly. It's fucking next level, right? Um, you go through the tiebreakers here with two teams tied uh, for the playoffs. First one is head-to-head, um, which I believe the team split this year. Yep, yep. So that, you know, you know, going just going through the list. The second one is best win-loss percentage in division games. Both of them are currently 2-2. Two and two. Correct. So, um Strength of victory in all games can buy records of opponents and wins. I'm not sure what that is, but I bet you that it's probably pretty close. Correct. Um, um, well, the 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 Sea Dragons are two and three in the division. The Battle Hawks are three and three, but the Sea Dragons are playing the Vipers, which is a divisional opponent. So if they win, that'll tie that metric. The Battle Hawks are playing an out of division matchup, so that that will be unaffected. So it'll go to the third tiebreaker, which you just described. Yes. So. Um, then after that, you have the best combined ranking among all teams in points scored and points allowed in games. So best combined ranking among all teams in points scored and points allowed. So this immediately becomes the next best, the, the next most important thing. You already know that if you win this week, that through the first three through the first three tiebreakers, you're you're tied. So that fourth one, you believe you're probably going to be pretty close tied because you've beaten probably the same teams. So then after that, this becomes the next most important thing. And then it's best net points in all games, best net touchdowns in all games. So even if somehow you end up tied in that realm, the best net points in all games, you just had another six-point swing. Yeah. I mean, this was this was brilliant on so many different levels um, that it was it was a, as you stated, a next level thing that this team did. And it was so next level and it was so well thought out and, and so precise that the announcers didn't even understand what the hell was going on. So this was brilliance on the Seattle Sea Dragons coaching staff. I, I hope that. That that this move alone, I hope that this three point move alone gets them into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, you know, and we'll we'll know because the the 
Battle Hawks play first. They play on Saturday. The Sea Dragons play on Sunday. So they'll know what they have to do. So you've you've got a little bit of you know advantage Sea Dragons, you know, because you'll know the lay of the land, and that that's huge. So that's also reflected in the XFL futures. The Sea Dragons are the third favorite to to take down this championship over the Battle Hawks. So you know Vegas knows what these tiebreakers are. Advantage Sea Dragons. Absolutely. Um, and it's really, really cool. I mean, this is, we talked about this last week, uh, going into last week, but this week as well, there's, you know, this season, you know, although you and I believe that the XFL is not as good of a product as the USFL, you know, these teams at the very least have, you know, and this league really has set up for exciting football at this point in time, which is really, really big. So um, with that, you know, let's get into this week. I know that we're looking at, at you know, a pretty cool slate of games. I know you, you already kind of touched on it, but the first one that we have is this Orlando Guardians versus, you know, the Battle Hawks team. So so r- break this one down for me. Yeah, the, uh, the Battle Hawks, they are eight and a half point favorites. Um, you can have them on the money line minus 370. You can take the Guardians plus 290. The crazy thing in this one, Kyle, this is the highest total on the board, and it's probably the highest total we've seen all year. It's at 48. And I would imagine the Vegas has in mind that the Battle Hawks are going to try and lay it on the Guardians to try and improve their points for points against metric. So we're seeing a, an inflated total here uh, to kind of protect themselves against the Battle Hawks running it up. What do you think is going to happen in this game, and how are you playing it? Well, I think because of this, I think we're going to see an overstretched Battle Hawks team. Um, I think they're absolutely going to win this game because I think that that's going to be first and foremost on their mind. Is realistically, if I'm, I try and put myself in the coach's shoes here, right? I want to put myself as the St. Louis Battle Hawks coach. You've always been a, a Madden extraordinaire. That's all. You know what I mean? That's all it is. So if I'm that coach, right, I come to my team and I say, listen, the most important thing that we do this week is win. Because if we win and they lose, we're in. So the most important thing absolutely is to win this football game. The second most important thing if I'm a coach, which I'm not bringing up to my team, is that we need to score some fucking points. And we need to not give up fucking points because we need to make up this margin as best that we can. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be looking at the weaknesses of the Orlando Guardians. And I'm going to, you know, defensively, uh, you know, for my team, I'm looking defense first. Weaknesses of the Orlando Guardians, offensive line. This is going to be, in my opinion, a heavily blitzing uh team and, and a heavily blitzing scheme that we see out of the St. Louis Battle Hawks because I think what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to get after the quarterback and they're going to want to force Dormady into throwing errant throws or you know give him the least amount of time possible. The most important thing I think for this Battle Hawks team is to score fast. They need to score fast and put the game up to force Orlando to throw the ball. The longer you can force this team to throw the ball, the more you can blitz. The more you can, that D-line can 
pin their ears back and try and get after that quarterback. So I, you know, I expect St. Louis to try and get up early. I expect them to then attempt to put pin their ears back and get after this quarterback with a heavy, heavy, heavy blitz uh, scheme in order to attempt to throw Orlando completely off of their game. Now, what I actually believe is going to happen is I think they're going to overextend themselves. I think they end up winning this game, but I think it ends up pretty close. So what, what's the best line that we have on this game? I, I don't know what the best line is. Uh, I'm seeing eight and a half. Um, that, that's plenty. In, in, eight. In, that's, I think eight and a half is plenty. Personally, what I believe here is I'm looking at Orlando to absolutely cover that eight and a half. Um, so I don't care about the eight. Give me the eight and a half. Um, I think Orlando covers this solely based on the fact that St. Louis is going to try and push the ball deep. And I don't think that this offense is really built for that. I mean, you have a quarterback in A.J. McCarron who doesn't have the greatest arm strength. I mean, we we saw that in college. We saw that in the very short stint in the NFL. We saw that, you know, in, in this league. So he's not somebody who's going to air it out and throw the ball over the yard like that. So this is going to be a situation where I think they're going to ask too much of him coming off of a very bad game. And I think that they still are a – their defense is good, and I, they're still a good team. But I think that they're just going to ask too much of A.J. McCarron in this game. And I expect Orlando, who has nothing to lose and is just looking for a little bit of uh, momentum going into the offseason, I think that we see them cover this football game. Could not agree more. I think the 8.5 is – Way too much of an overcorrection, you know, to this narrative where, you know, the the Battlehawks have to score. It's true. I mean, they do have to score, but it's unrealistic. I mean, if this if this wasn't a real thing, what are we saying? Maybe four and a half, something like that, probably. Uh, So I'll take the eight and a half and I'll I'll hope that maybe Quentin Dormady can get it done one time and just keep this thing close. Um, you know the Guardians want to play spoiler. I, I know you were trying to get to the you know coach battle hawk Kyle mode, but you know if you're wearing an Orlando hat, they want to play spoiler. That that's that's all they can do right now. So I'll take the eight and a half. I'll stay away from the total, but I'm with you. Uh, so let's let's chalk that up. Next up on the board, your San Antonio Brahmas and their playoff life support is taking on the D.C. Defenders. They are three-point dogs. You can have them on the money line plus 130. You can have the Defenders minus 150. This total is at 42. What are you doing here? So, I mean, this is uh, this is almost the perfect scenario for the Brahmas, right? Because you got a team who's most likely going to sit their starters. Um, I think D.C. – I know we just talked about it um, – where we're a little worried about Tayamu, or especially I'm a little worried about Tayamu this week and and moving forward. But, you know, I think that this is a really, really big game for D.C. that they're not going to take seriously. If I'm this team, I think they're going to – maybe you have the starters out there for a drive or two just to kind of keep the momentum, you know, get them into some game situations. You know, you don't really want to give them a bye week before the playoffs, most likely. Um, 
but I think that this is going to be a lot of backups in this game, and I think that that bodes well for San Antonio because they're playing for something and they've got a good defense. So I think that if uh, Cone can can end up, you know, playing to the ability that we saw last week, I think the Brahmas can absolutely win this football game. Um, so I'm going to go with the Brahmas here um, on the money line. So what's the plus, what's the best we got there? I'm seeing plus one thirty. Yep, plus one twenty. So we'll we'll give you the one thirty and we'll we'll adjust where necessary. But I'm I'm with you, Kyle. I think this is going to be a, a very vanilla DC Defenders team. The Brahmas um, are just going to take advantage of the situation here. I'm not going to take the money line. I'm going to take the three. Um, but I, I I think that the Brahmas probably get it done at home. So I'm happy taking the three and moving on. So Sunday. The XFL did a great job with this scheduling. Um, we we have the first game, which is the Houston Roughnecks taking on the Arlington Renegades. The Renegades are one-point favorites in this role. On the money line, you can have a minus 120. The Roughnecks are plus 100. This total is at 42. Uh, Arlington, Kyle, will will need to, you know, be in that same boat with this, this um, you know, the Seattle-St. Louis thing so if let's say san antonio wins on saturday they'll need to win to be in on sunday against the roughnecks uh because you know the brahmas will be four and six at that point the renegades will be four and five they'll have to win or it'll go to those tiebreakers the division record on and on and on it will also get to that points four points against and believe it or not the brahmas have outscored the renegades this year and they're the number one defense in points against. So Arlington will have to light it up as well against the Roughnecks if the Brahmas win. Um, so do what you want with that information. How are you playing this? Well, a little bit different than the D.C. game. I believe that Houston knows they have to get their team out there and play. Mm-hmm. I believe Houston wants to really put – a stamp down on this Arlington team. Uh, personally, I think Houston would rather play the Brahmas in the playoffs than Arlington um, because just as you said, the Brahmas are the number one points against defense in the league. If you're Houston, you don't want to see that. You don't. You, you never want to see defense that good late. You don't. So I think – Realistically, Arlington's kind of been um, kind of middle of the road for everything. So, you know, I would rather, you know, if I'm Houston and I'm this coaching staff again, I'm putting myself in their shoes. If I'm Houston, I would rather see a team that's kind of middle of the road everywhere. You kind of know what you're expecting. Then I would rather see, um, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, I would, I would rather see a team with uh yeah yeah I'm I'm sorry I'm I'm, I'm get it out my train of thought there um I would rather see this Arlington team who's mediocre everywhere because it's really easy to have a good game you know what I mean it's really good it, it's really easy to have a good game offensively and have a mediocre game defensively so I think you know with this Brahma's team I think what this Houston team wants to do i think they would rather play the brahmas i know the defense is going to be pro you know problematic 
But I think this Houston team, who has shown a good defense, feels better about the heavy lost you than they do about Arlington. Yeah, I mean, I'll just just to simplify, I think, you know, next week, Houston's going to either be playing Arlington or the Brahmas. They probably want to see Arlington. Arlington has a worse defense and a worse offense. Um, So, you know, you're going to put your starters out there if you're Houston. Plus, you need the momentum. This is a team that hasn't been playing lights out football. So I don't know what side you were on, but I, I think the right side is Houston. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's, you know, what I'm trying to surmise here is that I think that this is a team, and we just saw last week, that has not looked good. They are not in the shoes of the D.C. defenders to where they can afford to give their team a week off. They need to keep this going. So I think that that's kind of where we're at here. Yeah. Uh, so, yep, we're both on Houston plus the one there, staying away from the total. The next game up is the one that matters to our hearts. The Sea Dragons are eight and a half point favorites at home. You can have them on the money line minus 370, uh, or you can have the Vipers on the money line if you're a complete psychopath plus 290. This total is also high, set at 47. Which way are you playing this game? Well, I, I think the Sea Dragons take care of business here. Um, I'm going to play however many units I have to on the money line for Seattle to win a unit. I feel comfortable making that happen. Um, even if the Battle Hawks win this game uh, against Orlando, Seattle needs to win the game anyway. Mm-hmm. If the Battle Hawks lose, Seattle doesn't want to go through this and lose and then leave it up to some of these tiebreakers. They're just going to go out there and go, hey, we win, we're in. Simple. Yeah, I, I would say um, you, you might just want to wait to bet this game because I, I don't think the money line can get worse than minus 370. Um, y- y- it can only get better. If if St. Louis somehow loses or if they're not spectacular and they don't don't cover that you know 19-point cushion that, that Seattle has, then, then this money line is just going to, it's going to get better. It'll probably, you know, go to two, 240. 240. Yeah, yeah. is what I was thinking. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the smartest play. Um, we'll wait until probably after the night game on Saturday to recheck this uh, f- for the, for the you know, the line and, and to see where we're at. But I think that the smart play, no matter where you are, is just to put however many units you have to to get the money line here for uh, to, to win a unit. I think that that's the smartest play. Yeah. And just, and just shop it. I mean, that's a very, very juicy, but I, I don't, I don't stray away from juice when there seems to be money out there to be made. So I'm going to be on the sea dragons as well uh, to win a unit, whatever that number is. So we can come back and, you know, take a victory lap and, and talk about their playoff matchup on the next XFL show. Yeah. I think, uh, I think realistically here, you know, Houston and DC's in, right? So I think what we're expecting here and both kind of hoping for is maybe both our teams end up here in the playoffs. Very well could be. And, you know, that would suck for me because I've been riding <laughs> high on the Sea Dragons team. They are much, much better than your stinking Brahmas. And, uh, you know, if you get a playoff game and somehow upset the defenders or, I mean, upset the Roughnecks, which I think is going to be an easier matchup than what I'm going to get. Absolutely. It's, it's it's just I'll never live it down. If somehow, some way, the Brahmas 
end up in the championship game, which takes me to my final thought, Kyle. My very final thought is on DraftKings, I'm always looking for an angle. I, I do the, know that. I think the Brahmas at 50 to 1 to be the XFL champion has value. I, I call Fuck me crazy. Yeah, it does, baby. Call me crazy. Fuck they have a yeah, road. It does. Yeah. And they absolutely so, have a road. I, I've already I've already burnt ten dollars on my 180 to one on the Guardians. I do have a Seattle Sea Dragons preseason ticket still alive, still breathing. At I think that was plus five fifty. So I think this San Antonio Brahmas fifty to one has life. I'm throwing ten bucks on it right now. Bingo. I think it's a great bet. Um I'll get to my final thought. And it's a two-parter here. Number one, uh, we just talked about uh, my bet is under review. Oh, we we talked about roads, right? Roads to the playoffs here, roads to victory, roads to the championship game. My bet got approved. We're in. Bingo. We're in, baby. Um, we talked about that. Although highly unlikely, there is a worst or worse case scenario for you as a Sea Dragons fan. Somehow, the Sea Dragons lose this game. The Battlehawks win. Brahmas win. Arlington loses. Brahmas are in the playoffs. Seattle doesn't even make the playoffs. That, I think, is your worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, That would be something you would never live down. Listen, if both these teams get in, I don't care if the Brahmas upset the Roughnecks and you guys lose to D.C., it's a much tougher road going through D.C. I agree. I understand that. I wouldn't let you not live that down. Now, if the Brahmas win the championship, you won't live it down. But if Seattle somehow does not make the playoffs and the Brahmas do, I will also not let you live that down. All right, so there's not a lot of things that can go right here for me. No, no, but that's, that's number one. Anyway, number two here. Can we just talk about if this Seattle Sea Dragons team, which is the most likely scenario, get into this playoff and play D.C. on Sunday, April 30th, 3 o'clock in the Sunday North Division Championship game. You most likely have the top two MVP candidates going against each other in a playoff game in the Danuch and Jordan Te'amu. That, I think is so unbelievably cool for this league. You know, there's not a ton of things about this league that that I find awesome. And maybe it's just because I can't get a grasp on it or whatever. I mean, it is good football. It, it's still not bad football. But as a product, I think we got kind of spoiled with the USFL a little bit because it was so good, and, and we both believe that it's better. But this really does have some really cool storylines in it as well. So I think that that would be something that would be absolutely huge for this league to have those two guys going at it. And not only that, but the guy, the one guy that the owner and CEO of this entire league got behind and talked about in AJ McCarron. Oh, he's, he could be on an NFL roster, but he's here showing his kids that he can play, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't make the playoffs. I think is so hilarious and would be so funny for this entire scenario that I, I can't wait for Seattle to win this game. 
and and take that playoff spot away from him. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually I'm looking up <laughs> I'm looking up tickets right now uh, to the the XFL North Division Championship, which will be in Washington D.C., which is just a, a two-hour drive for us. Kyle, we can get tickets, bud. Thirty-five mm-hmm. bucks each. That is not bad to see Danuch take down Jordan Tayama. That would be awesome. But yeah, you know that that's that's putting the the horse before the cart or the the cart before the horse. It's putting something before something. Let's just take yeah. care of business on Sunday. And uh, man, I'm I'm excited to see how this plays out. They have scheduled it perfectly. The storylines are everywhere. Should be a great week of football. We've got the USFL show coming up tomorrow, uh, where we'll we'll break down week one and what we saw, and we'll put our bets out there for week two. Uh, I would encourage everyone to join the book club where you can get all of our picks. Uh, it's thedgens.net. There's a three-day free trial, and that includes all of the racing picks before the world gets them. Uh, so I would definitely, definitely recommend signing up for that. Kyle, send us home. Yeah, that's it for us here at the uh, Backdoor Network here. And, uh, yeah, like you said, man, good football, good good stuff. We got USFL coming up. The book club's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, we're, we're, we're around, baby. We're, we're, we're hammering it out on, on, on Twitter as well. So, you know, you can, you can go to the book club. You can get our, our Twitters and, and follow us there. Uh, we're everywhere. So uh, until tomorrow when we run that USFL show, adios, muchachos. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.